Yeah, it's wild. Craig, I really love your apartment right now. I just Thanks. love that vibe. Yeah, um, it's in, you know, West Side Manhattan. My rent is $6,800 a month, but, you yeah. know, it's worth yeah. it for views like these. No, I totally get it. <laughs> I think my favorite part is that, like, the light on your face is different than the lighting of the apartment. Um, yeah. It's, it's great. <laughs> it's really great. Hello, and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. I'm... Um, Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. And I'm Aspen Taylor, a.k.a. Aspen Taylor. That's right. We have a legitimate guest on the podcast. <laughs> um, Craig, I don't know about you, but I am probably, this is probably the episode I've been looking forward to the most. We've been talking about this literally since we started. This is the dream yes. guest. We've landed the big one. Yeah. Oh, stop we, it. We can just cancel after this one. Hey, guys, <laughs> uh, we're here to announce the finale of Permanent Good. It's this one. We've stop. peaked. Yeah, this no. is crazy. You better not. I get enjoyment out of these. <laughs> 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 so Aspen has been our friend since high school. Mm-hmm. And she is now a singer, songwriter, and musician releasing music to the world. And that is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Right. It really is. Certified pop star. Well, I don't right. know about all that. Yeah. Well, you're so, certified by us, and that's all that really Right, right, right. You know what? I love you guys. Yeah. So we've known you. Uh, Taylor, do you remember how you met us or what that first impression was like? I feel like, well, I know I met you guys both in high school. Why do I feel like it was middle school, though? It could have been. Well, you were, because you were in the grade between us, right? Yeah, yeah. And Craig, I know I knew you in middle school because you were in (laughs) choir and I was also in choir. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At the very least, we were in chorale together in high school. Yes, yes. So, So, yeah, that's kind of how we all got close, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, So so Aspen knows my 14-year-old self, which is dangerous. Yeah. And she knows me at, like, what, 15? And that's really scary. You know me in the middle of those two, which I think is (laughs) scariest. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. To go back to my angsty years is just you knew me from my style back then, and please let's not <laughs> yeah. discuss what was me back in those days. I think we but, were all just trying to figure it out though. Yeah. You know? We were. We hundred yeah. percent were. I remember like having a white t shirt and then just got some like dog tags I got made at SeaWorld and I just wore them like, outside of my shirt. And I wore like the same shoes every single day. And I thought that was the coolest guy ever. I also got like a haircut once every six months. I, I also think we're forgetting, <laughs> we're forgetting the most important part, which is the leather jacket. Oh, oh yeah. God, the leather and snapbacks. Big yeah. on Snapchat. Snap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alex was the one that taught me that like you could hook snapbacks around your belt loop. And yeah, I've never worn that. anything lamer than that. Nothing, Craig. Nothing, <laughs> I will forever see you in a flash shirt for the rest of my life. Dude, it is unfortunate I have outgrown most of those shirts, <laughs> but like I still have like hats in my collection and like I lit- I'm staring at like flash decorations on my wall. So like don't worry, the tradition is carrying on through a different medium. Yeah, Look, I love so that. Cool. 
so much and I'm glad you're keeping it real because I every time I picture you I picture you in a red flash shirt every yeah. time yeah, that's um, right. incredible yeah and like and like I remember swim team Aspen as well oh god yeah I think the lord lost the wet hair going to school in Fort <laughs> vibe. thank the lord why oh. did no one tell me well yeah because like we would because uh you would have like morning practice and then and then corral was like second hour so like anyone who was on the swim team like for the first two hours was just like had like a general disdain about them yes and it was always a problem and i remember in first hour i had history and i was late to mr hayden's class every day because i would leave and go get coffee and come oh, back jeez. <laughs> I would bring him a donut and he would not give me tardies. <laughs> like, Good grief. The, the, the leaving campus ideology was like the worst enforced rule on the planet. Like all the administration would just like, they like stand at the doors with their arms crossed and like no leaving campus for lunch. So kids would just go to a different door and leave campus for lunch. <laughs> like, and whenever you came back with food, it was door. a flex. Yeah. It oh, was my God. a flex. Yes. Y'all can picture walking down those high school musical esque stairs with yep. your Jimmy Johns and everyone being like turning their heads as if you're walking in with like some new guy <laughs> that just came to the school and it's literally just Jimmy Johns. Right. Oh my gosh. Incredible. All Mrs. right. Demons probably saw me every day. Cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. So this week, audience, um, we had Aspen pick out our movie. Um, why did you pick Molly's game, Aspen? So I picked this game because I, or this movie, I guess, because I didn't want to be basic <laughs> because I, that. I was trying to think of all the cool movies I've seen, like genuinely cool because sure I can go like my favorite movie right now is crazy rich Asians. I'm obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay. It's such a great show, but there's not really much to talk about. You know, it's just like your basic, you know, love story. And right. so I was thinking, man, what's a cool movie that like I actually passionately like talking about and it was Molly's game. I love movies that mess with your head. I love it. I love yeah. it. I think yeah. they're so cool. All right. So. so the way this works is if you, uh, if you, the listener at home, if movie discussions aren't your thing, we're going to give you a time code so you can skip ahead to the next segment. Uh, we are going to do a non-spoiler section and then we'll give the time code again when we reach the spoiler section. So if you want to listen to the non-spoiler section, you can go ahead. Otherwise... Uh, if you want to skip the movie discussion entirely, we will give you a time code right here. Time code 3242. All right. Something I really want to talk about this movie. The intro is sick. Isn't it this is the craziest? Awesome. I feel like that was one of my favorite things through the whole movie. Because basically I watched this before it hit, before it was released. It was like mm-hmm. a movie that, um, I actually watched it with my my ex and his family. <laughs> Lol. Uh, long ago, <laughs> but um, I remember his mom bringing it home, and she was like, "Hey, I got this. We got this movie to watch. Like, it's not out quite yet, but um, like a friend gave it to us." And I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." And so I just I like heist movies a lot too. Mm-hmm. So yeah. anything that's like that realm of like blood pumping, but it's not scary. It's just like, oh my god, are they actually gonna make it out? Sort of a right. situation. I really really like. Um, and so I just, but the picture through this movie too, is just so crazy. And just, I don't know, the fact that it's a true story is what gets me every time too. Yeah. Yeah, Organized crime movies are like 
they're they're an aesthetic. I'm always a big fan. It was it was so cool because like the movie the whole time everything's high stakes. Like in the ve- first five minutes, you're like, oh yeah, I broke my back when I was younger, and they said I would never be able to compete again. I'm like, man, the stakes are high. <laughs> Yes. And it's like wild too. Cause I like that you get to see, I mean, going back, like, of course it's based on a true story, but I like that mm-hmm. you get to see her life like as a pre-Olympian also. And you get to like right. understand why she gets to the place that she gets to. It's not just like, Oh, here she is, you know, in this super, super high stakes moment and you don't know what's going to happen. But I don't know. I like that loop. And I like, I just, I like how they set that whole movie up. Well, yeah. Cause I remember seeing the trailer for this movie when it was first coming out in theaters and whatnot. And I'm like, Oh, I'm, I, you know, I'm a fan for like, um, poker, poker movies and like anything to do with mm-hmm. like, uh, turning cards and whatnot. I'm a big fan of that. And so like, I sat down to watch this movie and the first five minutes is about Olympic skiing. And I'm like, okay, hold on. Wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> You're like, Taylor, did you send the right movie over? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I I think what's cool about it, too, is like, or what I guess drew me to it. Well, back then, I didn't really exactly have a choice of what we were watching. But like, (laughs) I just remember I, I thought it was really cool that it was like a woman doing it, too. Like, it was like somebody completely just playing everybody. And yeah, Jessica Chastain is amazing, dude. Yes. And she was using it to her advantage. I love it. Right. It was it was wild. And she the acting in this movie is ridiculous. I was on board with everyone. Yes. You're like, wait a minute. These people aren't acting This (laughs) is real life right now. Yeah. My favorite thing about it was a lot of like like when you watch a movie with high stakes like these, you watch people make stupid mistakes over and over again. And you're like, well, you shouldn't have done that. Well, you shouldn't have done that. This one Mm -hmm. didn't have a lot of that for a while. You're like, you're like. Oh, that was actually really smart. Like, oh, you actually like took a legal way to do this. And like, you're looking out for yourself. Like it was. Yeah. I feel like this was one of the only high stakes, like, I guess it's, it's not heisty, but like, it's the only high stakes movie that I can think of where like, she didn't start making mistakes until she got scared, like until the the end. And then she just started Mm -hmm. making dumb mistakes. Right. And And that's when she got, she got too comfortable. Yeah, there were a lot of people in this movie that I did not expect to be in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Idris Elba didn't didn't know he was in this movie. Loved Michael it though. Sa- Loved every yeah. second. Yeah, same. Michael Sarah came out of left field. Didn't expect it. <laughs> no, like, you got some weird people in here. Right. She's she's listing off like, oh yeah, all these rock stars and athletes and movie stars and Michael Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> What's crazy is Michael Sarah's character. Um, I think he's called Player X in the movie. He's based off Tobey Maguire. Like in real life, that real person was Tobey Maguire going to all these games. That's so wild. I think that, that's one of my favorite things too because this is one of those movies where because it's a real life thing that happened, I ended up mm-hmm. going back to see if I could figure out who each of the people actually were. Um, and it's really wild, some of the people that were like in Absolutely. this game. And it's just, it's, I don't know. It's really, really wild to me. There's the whole movie and how it plays out and just, man, she got far with it too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, also, she got real far. Also, it was nice to watch a movie that was a normal length. Um, chronologically huh. speaking, <laughs> uh, Alex and I just got done watching Gone with the Wind. That was four hours of our life. So, yeah. so yeah. to go, <laughs> so to go from that to this, which is 
only two and two hours 20. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. I can watch this in a morning. Which is wild because I saw this movie probably like four or five months ago for the first time. And when you pick this movie, I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll watch it again. Like, I have no problem watching this movie again. <laughs> no, that was that was one of the reasons I picked it, too, was I was like, OK, let me pick a movie that I wouldn't mind like rewatching that wouldn't <laughs> be like, OK, I got to rewatch that because it's my favorite movie. Like, yeah, yeah, no, this this is one of those movies where I was like in it again. But it's funny because I picked up things that I forgot the first time or like, you know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. things that I was like, oh, dang, she did that. I forgot about that. And like, it's just I don't know. It's a great movie. It really I, also, I also think this, this movie does like this back and forth thing where mm-hmm. it tells her story while she's doing the poker while she's running the games and then it just like hard cuts to her with Idris Elba trying to like build a defense case right. and I think they timed those pretty well there were several moments where I'm like all right I'm ready to get back to Idris Elba and then they did it I'm like mm-hmm. cool cool thank yes, you for that yes I think that that was a really smart move on production part too, because it kept the movie moving. I'm not sure right. that it would have worked as well if we stayed in one era for the mm-hmm. whole movie and then switched. Like I really, I also agree with that, how they switched back and forth and you kind of see her, you know, on trial and then you see her going back and then, you know what I mean? It's like, it's very back and forth. And I like that too. Sure. Yeah, so quick summary for the audience, for those of you who are listening to this and haven't decided to watch it, I don't know why, um, but Jessica Chastain plays a character called Molly Bloom, who is a real life person, and she is a um, former Olympic skier. She was at the Olympic trials is how the movie starts out, and then she goes on to kind of be a waitress, um, but also the house in an underground poker game. Um, but then through a series of unfortunate events, she ends up having Sorry, a- Neil Patrick Harris, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> she goes and has to open up her own game. She opens up, uh, the one in Los Angeles as well as the one in New York and the new New York one's the one that gets really big. And then she has to deal with, you know, the legalities of doing something like that. And it is intense. Um, it is very clear that like women running their own thing. Um, without security, with no risk, legally is extremely dangerous. Um, the movie kind of explores that, and at the ver- and throughout the course of that, um, you see that her money got seized by the FBI, and Idris Elba is brought in as her lawyer to kind of just keep her out of prison. And it is a wild story. Do you want to get into spoilers? I would love to get into spoilers. All right, so if you have not seen this movie and uh, you want to watch it, we've piqued your interest and you want to skip the spoiler section, we'll give you the time code once again to skip ahead to the next segment. All right here. Time code 3242. Well, I'm in love with Idris Elba, like so yeah. much. Yeah. The, every scene, every time that Jessica Chastain and Idris Elba had a scene together, I'm like, I don't know who I love more at this point. Well, we also just took a BuzzFeed quiz on the podcast asking about our man crushes or about our celebrity crushes, oh, rather. Right. And, okay. Alex, and Alex chose Idris Elba. Dude, he is just so It's not cool. a bad choice. Right. His accent, his British accent came out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, yes to everyone. Yes to the whole cast, honestly. Yeah. I forgot oh, to mention Kevin Costner, you know. Oh, yeah. Just, How could you as forget her dad? <laughs> Dude. As her dad, I hated this guy. And I'm like, yeah. he's just acting. He's just a character. You can't hate him in real life. But, but don't you love uh, when movies do that? 
Yeah, it, it was right. very similar to I don't know if you've seen Margot Robbie and I Tanya, but you know Kevin Kevin Costner played a very similar character to you know the the mother of Tanya Harding. You know, okay. very, yeah, very hard pressed, very goal oriented for their child. Like mm-hmm. I want this goal for you, and it's like you're right. like you're like I appreciate you wanting to push your kid, but like. Yes, but like, <laughs> is it your dream though? Right now, it's your right. dream. It's, it's definitely yours. And there's it's that, your right. dream. Like, and there's that. And there's that scene at the end where they're having that discussion on the bench, and he's like listing off how you know one kid is a two-time Olympian, and one kid is a philanthropist, and one kid you know started a multi-million dollar business, and it was all because of me. And I'm like, was it? Well, yeah. like it was in spite of you, probably. Right. Maybe. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was it was wild because you find out that he's been cheating on their mom for like for like twenty fi- years. Yeah, twenty years, fifteen years. It's crazy. Basically, the marriage. Yeah, the, pretty much the, the whole entire thing. time they were married. And then there's a scene where she must be like ten, and she goes, "I'm tired," and like, "Oh yeah, we've been out here for like twelve hours." And he goes, "Well, what's another word for tired?" And she and she says, "Weak." And he goes, "All right, we can go home now." And, and in I'm my like, head, dude. In, in my head, I'm like exhausted. Hey, exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> exhausted, overworked, you've done your part. Like, right. You gotta go. Oh, oh my gosh. Man. That part really, really got me. And I was like, man, you know what really gets me about movies like this or just things in general, like podcasts, you know, true crime things, just anything like that is I always mm-hmm. am thinking, I'm like, if you could have just done a little bit something just differently, then this whole thing would not have happened. Like right. just that that small little <laughs> parenting moment where you could have just nurtured instead of being crazy, then mm. this whole thing wouldn't have happened. Like literally this whole thing wouldn't have happened. It's wild. Right. It is nuts. So that, that relationship is like kind of explored. It, it, he comes back at the end. Didn't see that coming. And then he like gives her, cause he's a psychologist therapist and um, he's walking through like why she's done everything. And she thinks it's because he pushed her super hard and all this stuff and exploring that was crazy. And then he kind of breaks down because he knows that like the mob is after her and trying to kill her. Like it was wild. Yeah. And then you're um, sitting there and you're, you're like for a psychologist, um, have you self-diagnosed yourself with narcissism yet? (laughs) Okay. No, I know so many people who like, who like their moms or therapists and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. like all of them are nuts. In their own right. Right. Like. Yeah. <laughs> well, think about it. it. It definitely. There's definitely a correlation. Jeez. Yes. Like you're helping people with their brains. And all day, every day. <laughs> <laughs> Your brain must be messed up a little bit too. I do want to say though. Um, mm-hmm. the, the turn that this movie took. From being about. You know. Running. Uh, a dangerous game of poker. To running a dangerous game of poker involving the Russian mob was kind of fast. And I thought it was so cool. Like when they're introducing people and the guy comes in and he's like, is that a Monet? Be like, well, yeah, I didn't have, I didn't have the money right now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's $4 million. I I got armed guys outside. Like, well, you can't do that. Go put that outside. (laughs) What are you doing? It's literally wild. It's wild. And, and the fact that they're like they're running it from like a hotel room too, like they're right. not even in anywhere secure, like they're in public right. essentially. Like, yeah. and they're like, just the whole hotel. Goes wrong. Yeah, I'm like the whole hotel knows what's going on here, right? Yeah, like we're just <laughs> hoping that that guy doesn't shoot his gun. Like, 
Yeah. And I think that that scene, that scene specifically showed like why I liked Molly so much as a character Mm -hmm. because she was just like genuinely understanding and treated her players like people, you know, like she told people that were like losing too much, like, Hey, maybe this isn't for you. And she was, and she was willing to work out with people that had outstanding debts. And like the reason she had $2.8 million on the streets as they called it is because she was too nice to them. And mm-hmm. like, that's a care. That's a character I enjoy watching. I enjoy rooting for. Exactly. And I think that, well, that's why I think it got so big in the first place. And that's why people kept coming back is because she was not just like a pawn trying to play with them. She was like, actually, you know, genuinely nice and genuinely mm-hmm. to some extent cared about the players. I can't remember that one guy's name. Um, the one that was just, pretty much drunk and high the whole time and oh, then he kept, and like, he kept falling asleep on the table and then yeah. he was like losing everything and then he had to go home to his wife and tell was her that, that he had lost all their money yeah yeah, dude, the, yeah the guy was just like falling in love with her the whole time he goes i'm a victim of circumstance yes, the guy that like, talked no. only in detective <laughs> novels <laughs> right you're like you don't have to be a victim at all right now oh dude you and can then that- go and when they finally get busted, he was the one who called her and was like, listen, don't get mad. I would never report you. I love you. You're everything I've ever wanted. She goes, just tell me what you want. Why are you calling me? Why are you in the bathroom? Yeah, she gets the call and she's just like, it's okay. I'll be there in five minutes. Just hold your breath. I'll be right there. Whatever. I'm unwell. She. It's just so crazy. And I think like. I think one one of the things I liked about this movie was the way it escalated. It wasn't just like zero to a hundred. You watched the progression and you watched her mentality and how she became just a little bit more desperate as time went on. And like, she, she wouldn't just like settle and be like, Oh, my business is doing really well. Comfortable. No, it was like, you got to push it to that next little risk and the next little risk. And you got to give away a little bit more. And each time I was like, (laughs) yeah, because when she first starts, uh working with dean and he's like oh ten thousand dollar buy-in like us as an audience is like oh that's kind of high and then by the end end, it's like two hundred and fifty thousand dollar buy-in i'm like well never mind (laughs) you're like i gotta go forever goodbye (laughs) it's super wild and i think too like that's one of the things going back to that too is like just character development you know like she starts so careful she's careful she's by the book like she's doing everything legally she's doing like everything fine she's like no i'm gonna have this game and it's Mm -hmm. not gonna get crazy it's gonna be like this and we're just gonna basically make a ton of money Mm -hmm. and then by the end she's like yeah i felt right i felt so bad for her when she was um drawing the bath and i'm like man that looks like a really nice bath and then she just gets the ever-loving crap beaten out of her and I'm I don't like, want to talk gosh, about dude. it. And it I'm gave just like, me PTSD. I'm just like, wild. man, can that? I can't. I feel bad. Like, do you like still go to the bath after that? Like, do you think you could still find relaxation in that? I or was is, like, is the bath? <laughs> do you crawl in there to make it better? Is I? Right. I'm feeling personally like that's gonna burn. Yeah, that's yeah. not gonna feel how, long, how long does that bath water just kind of sit there untouched? Like, I just, I like, just like, like from a semantic standpoint, I need to know. I'm thinking at least a day or two. Yeah, at least a day or two. Like, she did not go back for that. Right. I don't think that happened. Yeah. She looked pretty rough in that moment. It I, was I'm, crazy. 
It was yeah. nuts. I like, just she literally like slides down the wall and just slumps over, and you're just mm-hmm. like, Ooh. Yeah. and then she's like oh. wrapping her own ribs. Yeah, I'm like. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you will not catch me under any circumstances cracking any of my body parts right. ever. <laughs> Aspen, what was your favorite scene in the movie? I think my favorite scene is still in the hotel room, probably. Mm-hmm. I know it's weird. Or the beginning when she's in her ski tournament. I don't know why I really liked that scene, but I think that speaking from like a theatrical standpoint, I think that that's one of my favorites because of how it like ropes you into the movie because you're not expecting it. It's like Craig said earlier, like you're literally sitting here for five minutes watching a ski competition. And you're like, why? And and so like I watched this movie and like, there are like diagrams on screen of the angles and it highlights her path on the hill. And I'm like, I I thought it was going to be like very zombie land esque where it's like it, it's not afraid to like literally show things to you. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I can get down with this. And like the way that she talks so quickly and efficiently and specifically in every instance of narration, I'm like, I am never confused about what's happening. Like some of the names might get lost in the process, but like, like I am on your side and you are selling me on this. Mm -hmm. Oh, you can go. You can go. No, 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 you're fine. You're fine. Go ahead. Both of you shut up. It's my turn. <laughs> so, Craig, what was your favorite part? Oh, no. Part? No, that was okay. That was uh, your favorite part? Okay. Well, my favorite part was when Idris Elba's character finally stands up for her in front of the yeah, prosecutors. No, I wrote that in my notes. And he's yelling at them like, you have no idea what she's doing right now. You have no clue. The fact that she's not writing these people out is because they have families, because they have careers, they have kids in college. They can't know that there's mistresses. You don't understand like what she's doing, and it's not because of her. She has millions of dollars out right right now that she's not using. Can you just be decent people and cut her a break? And he's just like yelling at them, like, "Do you not get it." I was like, "My I, God!" Oh, I have chills. I have chills because I can see it in my head. I just I loved how he went to bat for her too for that moment, and it was just so, like. Oh, it was beautiful. Oh. Yeah. So my favorite scene, I, I want to actually, is at the very end when she, when Idris Elba is like, why, why do you care so much about your integrity? And then she, and then she drops like the crucible quotes when she just goes, because it's my name and right. it's all I, I freaking have. lost it. Mm-hmm. She was like, because like, your integrity is all you have. And I was like, I think I and like I think I even like knew that she was gonna quote the crucible like I feel like I'm like mm-hmm. I, like right before she opened her mouth I'm like this is where the crucible comes back this is you knew this she is, was gonna say about. something about it you yeah. knew she was right. gonna say something that was just profound yeah, yeah just like because it's my name and it's all <laughs> I have left yes I think that those were my favorite moments and I think just any moment where I just really liked the high stakes moments where she i mean first of all where her personality came through and her compassion and like empathy for people came through um because you wouldn't normally see that for like a a whole boss over the whole thing like that you would not see that probably but i think my favorite parts were anytime she had to make a decision i really just loved how she was like yes we're going to like just you're like you're like eerily calm right now in this moment (laughs) like like that there's a scene where harlan has been there for like two days straight. He's he went on tilt. He lost money to a person who had no idea what he was doing, and just proceeds to lose like a million and a half dollars. 
Felt and so bad for him. It was I genuinely felt bad for rough. him. He, he had this huge thing planned for his wife and they go out on the balcony and she's like, and he's like, I don't have it. And she's like, what do you mean you don't have it? And he goes, I don't have it. I'm sorry. And he goes, go home, spend time with your family and we'll figure it out tomorrow. I'm like, bro. She, the, every time she pulled someone aside, like, I don't know if you want to do this. I don't think this is smart. Think about it. I'm like, she's pulling you away regardless of how much money she's making. She's looking out for you. And that was wild. Yeah, well, and I think it was like I was saying earlier, that was in that, you know, hotel scene when he's been mm-hmm. on this bender for days. Right. And he's like, yeah, he just he doesn't even know where he is at this point, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just like, I thought that that just her compassion, you know, like, yeah, she's running this whole game, but I don't even think, you know, she thought it was going to escalate this far. And she's still got that same compassion of not wanting to let things happen to people. Facts. You know, yeah. it's great. We love that for her. Well, we, right. hate the, we hate the scene yeah. for her. But we, yeah, we this movie was the, horrible. Seems <laughs> horrible. This really movie was sucked. horrible. Uh, a- any closing thoughts before we give a definitive rating? Um, everyone in this movie, every single woman you see on screen is gorgeous. Every single one. I was like, yeah. this is getting frustrating. Because you see, <laughs> there is like maybe two attractive guys this whole movie. And one of them is Idris, which I was A-OK with. Yeah. Everyone else is like, hold on, hold on, Aspen. Now we have to guess who the other attractive guy he's talking about because we know it's not Michael Sarah. It's, it's a super definitely. obscure character. Guess it. Super oh. obscure. It was the first I'm Russian they introduced. Uh, okay. That Opens the door. Like... First guy, I'm like, this guy's put together. This guy knows what no. he's doing. <laughs> you literally said two, and I went, you. Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> this movie's not a great representation of guys. They're pretty much the reason every bad thing happens to her. Every bad thing that happens well, is the result. Well, of let's dude. be clear: men are mostly the reason why bad things happen to most women. You know what? So. I'm gonna agree with you on that. <laughs> but right. the women are serving ten out of ten looks this whole dude, time. Was, yeah, the dresses no. she had were like, yeah, yeah girl. They were you all get like it. super proficient. They're like, yeah. Every time a guy comes in, their drink is mesmerized. I'm like, yes. what? And I was like, me- Okay, and then she's got like ball gowns and prom dresses on, and I'm like, "You look like a queen every day. You're showing up looking like a bad bitch, and I love it." (laughs) Yeah, and every guy's like, surrounded by these subparts. Guy pulls her aside and goes, "I've sent you an email. I'm in love with you." And she goes, "I've gotten seven of those. It is my (laughs) job." (laughs) Yeah, like I am the anti-wife. All of you love me. I'm encouraging your bad habits. I love that turn of phrase so much. Yes. Right. The anti-wife. I was like, am I doing self-reflecting right now? <laughs> Do I need to become the anti-wife? Am I Molly? <laughs> Is that all it takes? <laughs> <laughs> Crap, why didn't I do that before? Right. Yeah, this movie was, was fire. Craig, what is your final rating out of 10? Okay, so I went into this yes. with a 7-5 in mind. Mm-hmm. And like maybe it could have been like 10, 15 minutes shorter. Anytime a movie goes over two hours, I start to become really critical of its pacing. Okay. But like whenever we talk about a movie, I usually end up changing my rating based on like how much fun I had with the conversation. I'm willing to bump this movie up to an eight. Wow. Oh, wow. Funny you say that because that's exactly what I'm going to say. I think it's an eight as well. The acting. That's, that's the second. Yeah, that doesn't happen. <laughs> Alex and I had a resolution. Our New Year's resolution was for us to get five movie ratings uh, that were the same. And wow! Yeah, and because so, it never happens. Yeah. It so what we're happens. 
like eight, nine episodes into the new year and it's happened twice so far. <gasps> you guys are doing great. This yeah. is a great resolution right now. This yeah. is happening. I love this the, for you. Yeah, the acting yeah. was ridiculous. The writing is ridiculous. The fact that it's a true story is nuts. Blows it up. Yeah, I, well, I don't know what there is not to love. What about you, Aspen? What do you think? Out of 10. I'll probably give it about an 8.5, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I think my only complaint is, um, I agree with Craig. I think toward the end, I was, I'm not gonna, I, I'm not gonna say bored because it was a great enticing movie the whole time, but there were some times where I was like, all right, like we could have wrapped this up in like a one minute segment that you've drawn out for five minutes and like right. it's a little bit long, but mm-hmm. I understand why they did that just because it is a true story. So I get that they wanted to keep it, you know, kind of similar and that was going to take some time but yeah. there was some minutes in the end where i was like all right we've been in yeah, yeah. courthouse for a minute now <laughs> <laughs> all right there you have it folks our official ratings for molly's game alex would you like to welcome back the non-movie listeners hey non-movie listeners i don't know why you would skip out on a movie that our guest picked honestly it's kind of disrespectful really um, <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take you outside because I'm embarrassed for you. Uh, But thank you for coming back. As you know, we have three segments prepared for today. And we're going to start off with our improv segment, PR training. Craig, would you like to explain to Aspen what a PR training is? Yeah. So this is pretty simple. Um, We're going to put someone in the hot seat. Uh, and in this case, that someone is Aspen and <laughs> Alex and I are and Alex and I are going to be reporters from various news organizations. And we're just going to ask you questions about your career. And these are all totally real questions that are not absurd in any way, shape or form. And you won't be caught off guard by them. Craig, right. I've known you since middle school. You do not fool me. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. This is the truest form I've ever spoken in. So I don't know how your management's going to deal with this, um, but for legal reasons, it's a joke, guys. Yeah, legal reasons, it's a joke. Is a joke for- it's a joke. Aspen has not done anything All we're about to ask podcast. her about. These things are not based in fact. Sorry, Joe. She's- Sorry, Dallas. Yeah, she's going to be defending fake questions yeah uh hey joe if you hey joe if you need to talk to someone about what happens in this episode message alex yeah hey (laughs) hey manager joe papa joe we love you i didn't do anything scandalous (laughs) i promise all right that being said aspen um uh alex with tmz here um do you have is there any legitimacy to the reports that you went out with three different guys last night and none of them knew it was a blind date. Mm. You know, Alex, I'm going to be honest here. I like to play with, with the guys. I like to play with their emotions. That's completely <laughs> true. <laughs> I don't think TMZ saw that coming. But <laughs> I would just like to assure you that, that, you know what? Completely true. So here's the plot twist. Are you ready for my mm-hmm. side of the story? Sure. Love to get an inside report. So all three of these men have Mm -hmm. played me in the past, you know, like all three of them, I've gone on a date with them and, you know, they, we were pretty serious for a couple months with, with each of them. Um, and you know, you just get cheated on enough times and you decide to go on a blind date (laughs) with all of them at the same time. So yes, the accusations are true true on this one. I'm not going to even deny it. And, um, yeah. um Aspen, Aspen, uh, this is Craig with PG News here. Um, uh, we have footage of you 
throwing uh throwing a drink in uh Avril Lavigne's face. Can you explain can you put any context to that please? Yeah, actually, you know what's funny about social media is, you know, you see all these things but you don't get the context. We were actually filming a TikTok um so yeah so she was in on the whole thing um i'm sure he reached out to her management while they probably won't answer um it was a tiktok so we were both in on it all fun and games i love thank you very much uh hey aspen um alex with tmz again um there are some rumors that taylor swift has bought your masters and is trying to sell your music and you will never make a dime again is there any legitimacy to these claims well given the fact that this has very recently happened to her yeah i was gonna say you know taylor swift someone who (laughs) i'm sure she's very vindictive (laughs) really hope she wouldn't do that um no no that is not currently happening penny my music is all mine independent (laughs) artist here um yeah nope Taylor is great from what I can tell. Her little folded ear caps. Very cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, hey, Aspen. Uh, Craig with uh, AT&T News here. Um, uh, we we uh, heard a clip from uh, a recent comedy podcast that you were on. And you said that uh, you had uh, a horrible disdain for anyone over the age of 27. Would you like to elaborate on that, please? <laughs> a horrible disdain. Um... Yeah, I mean, have you ever seen 13 going on 30? I mean, it seems like it goes downhill. It really does. I think that, the only you know, the only benefit to turning 30 is that you get to know Mark Ruffalo. I don't know. That's exactly, what I from that movie. Exactly. You hit Dirty 30 and did you see what she was wearing? I mean, I love Jen Garner. I love her so much, but I'm it, it, that really ruined 30 for me. So, yeah, no. Sustains there. Jury's in on that. Um Aspen, last uh, question for me. This is Alex from uh, AT&T's competitor, Verizon. Um, I have a follow-up question. Do you know when we can expect more episodes of Savage? Or is it true that uh, your best friend bought the rights and is refusing to release any further episodes? You you can see a new episode actually... Um, coming up, I've got some some songs coming out this year, and there'll be new episodes. So yeah, no false. No one has bought that. Um, no one is holding the rights to that. Um, and yeah, that'll come out. That'll come out Beautiful. later this year. But um, yeah, yeah. Final question uh, here. Uh, this is Craig from uh, Alex Good News. Uh, <laughs> oh great, I have my own news. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Um, we just heard that you declined an offer to star in an ABC sitcom with Emily Osment. Uh, would you like to, would you like to talk to us about that? Yeah. Um, I did decline that. And we all saw her as Lily and Hannah Montana. Um, ooh. Uh, Young and Hungry brought it back for me. I did love that. But I don't know. I just, it seems kind of like old news to me. So, yep, I did decline that. This <laughs> yeah, just, just in, Emily Osment is irrelevant <laughs> and always will be. <laughs> old I love news. Emily. I love Emily Osment. I really, I do love her. Jesus, awesome. Well, that concludes <laughs> PR training with Aspen Taylor. You heard it here first. <laughs> I should never be on a PR team. Literally ever. <laughs> Actually, that's completely true. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. So for our middle segment, I'm going to get a little nightly news on you. Ask you some real life questions. 
um, just so our audience can get to know you a little bit better, so we can catch up a little bit um, and just learn a a little bit more about you. Uh, Quick, Alex, uh, pick the late night host that you are going to embody. I'm going to embody Seth Meyers. You're going to be Seth Meyers? I'm going to be, you know, Trevor Noah, because demographically it fits. (laughs) I don't want to get too confusing. I mean, I wasn't going to say it, but... His accent's going to get rough. Please do the accent. Please do the accent. If Alex can whip out a South African accent, I will be genuinely impressed. Oh, I love Trevor Noah. I love Trevor Noah. His his accent. It really is great. If you can do the accent. I'm going to work on it. Give me a sec. I'm going to mute myself so I can practice this. Craig, you're going to leave with the first question, bud. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. okay. So we all grew up in Michigan together. And you are none of us are actually in Michigan anymore. So what was your journey leaving Michigan to ending up where you are now? And like, how, how, how was like each stop? Like, yeah, you? well, yeah. So basically, I mean, it wasn't, I would, well, it was kind of an easy decision to leave, but like, <laughs> <laughs> so after we all graduated, I went to um, central Michigan. So I stayed yeah. in Michigan and went to college um, but I ended up leaving. I had a, about a year left. I'll, I'll finish it up at some point, I'm sure. But, um, I had about a year <laughs> left and I decided to move to Houston. Um, so my mom and my stepdad had moved there senior year of high my high school. Um, so I don't know. It was just for me, I knew I never wanted to be in Michigan. I'm sure y'all can probably recall me saying probably every yeah. day that I wanted I, to be in Michigan. <laughs> I remember you having cabin fever about an entire state. Oh. I did. I did. I couldn't stand it. And I don't get me wrong. I'm so grateful for where we grew up. I'm so grateful for our town. I love going back to visit. Um, but that said, I, I probably won't ever live there again. Um, and I, I think that the journey now I live in Nashville, Tennessee. So um, the journey getting here has been great. Honestly, I mean, it's been a lot of growing when I originally moved to Houston, it wasn't music related. It was just because I wanted to leave Michigan. Um, mm-hmm. and I wasn't ready to be on my own quite yet. And so that was, you know, the viable next stop was, Oh, well, you know, move out of Michigan, move in with your parents in a different state. Right. That's, that sounds like a good idea. Um, yeah. Some of us yeah. have also done that in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's a great choice. It really is. And it was a great year for me and it really gave me time to, be away from home and, you know, really go through the homesickness motions that I did go through. Um, and it it really did prep me for being here. Um, but it was wild. I mean, when I moved to Nashville, it was, you know, a little bit after my really, my pretty bad breakup, I was in a well, pretty long-term relationship. And then, you know, we broke up and I was like, well, I don't know why I'm in Houston anymore. Um, there's not really much here for me other than like my family, Mm -hmm. of course, but I had things I wanted to go chase. Um, and so, yeah, I moved to Nashville, did not know one single person. Um, if you've ever seen New Girl, that was my life. I moved in with wow. four guys I didn't know. And um, yeah, I mean, they got referred by like my producer. So it wasn't like right. I was just moving in with like actual four random people. Yeah, just, but, pu- just pulling um, people out of Craigslist. <laughs> hey, yeah, no, literally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it, it was literally like New Girl. And I moved in with these guys. We had the best time ever. Um, now I have my own apartment, but um yeah, it was, it was great. And these past, you know, two years, which is wild to think about, but these past Mm -hmm. two, three, four years since I left Michigan, Mm -hmm. um, have really been probably the most growing I've ever done in my life. So you, so what made you choose to leave central? 
because you said you said you only had like a year left. So like, what was the what was the tipping point for leaving Central? Um. Well, I I had wanted to. I I knew that you know college wasn't where I wanted to be in that moment, and I I felt very stuck. Um, while all my, I was in a sorority too, and I love, mm-hmm. I love my sisters. I mean, I still talk to all of them and I love them very, very much. And I do miss that part of it. Um, but I think for me, I knew that wasn't for me. I knew I was never going to use that stuff. You know, I was like, right. this is, you know, it's, I went to school for great things. I went for, um, photojournalism and political science so I could work in human yeah. rights. Um, and I still, I still do that. Um, I still like, I do utilize that kind of a thing. Um, but I knew that I didn't need a degree to go help people, you know? Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, so I ended up leaving and it, it didn't hurt that my, my boyfriend at that time, he was going back to Houston. So I was like, Oh, and we ended right. up being kind of neighbors in Texas, which was wild also. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, yeah, I guess I'll just go. Well, I'll go with you, I guess. And so mm-hmm. that that was my big push to leave Michigan in the first place. Um, and then Nashville was that was just me wanting yeah, to go awesome. to Nashville. Andrew, or wow, called Alex. By you know, brother. listen, it's your brother's name. I'll <laughs> yeah. take it. Um, actually, uh, so I have my question for you. Um, it's gonna be British, but you know, South Africans hard. So um, <laughs> I was about to say, South Africans hard. This doesn't sound quite also, right. First of all, Trevor Noah has been living in America for a while now, so he's starting to lose his accent. So we're both in a very awkward spot right now. We're both in a very awkward spot. <laughs> I I, um, I think Aspen and I are in the most awkward spot right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would agree with you, Craig. <laughs> um, well, some of our audience members might find it endearing. So. <laughs> my, my, let's my take a poll right here <laughs> right, yeah let us know uh hashtag permanent good podcast uh check us out on the social medias um my question to you is um obviously you grew up with influences in music um how did you start to work on finding your own sound and what made you special and what music you were going to put out um i know from the beginning it definitely had a heavy uh, country influence how has that changed and how have you found your own sound yeah <clears throat> um so I kind of decided somewhere along the way because y'all know I, in high school I was doing the music thing I was going to Nashville I was recording songs putting out music videos stuff like that so mm-hmm. I think that that gave me a leg up in finding my sound because back then I didn't really have one um right. it was kind of just my agency and my management being like hey you kind of sound like Taylor Swift let's emphasize on that and me being like okay, is that going to get me where I want to go? Like, you know what I mean? Like I was 14, you know? So the next time I revisited that when I was in Houston, um, I had just, um, like I said, gone through my breakup, which was a very huge motivation for my album. Um, in that I wanted it to be all the songs that I didn't have when I was going through it. So, um, but I guess my, my main point of that is, how I found my sound, I guess, was that I let the song write itself. Um, and I took the pressure off of me trying to give it a genre. And I took, you know, society is what tells us that we have a genre, right? right society is what right. tells us that, okay, that sound, that's pop and that that's rock. And I don't necessarily fit into anything um, mm-hmm. because a lot of my songs are rock. Some of them are country. Most of them are pop and they all kind of blended together, fall somewhere in the middle. Um, right. Now, vocally, I sound pretty country, but I have a lot of rock elements to my voice also. Um, mm-hmm. 
mixed in with all the classical training I did, plus all the pop I listened to, it kind of falls in like every genre in a way. Um, so I kind of took each song and I sat in on every production for them um, right. because I had a, a general sound that I wanted, you know. Um, and so I can honestly say that I'm kind of genreless. Um, I would describe my music as country pop, probably, mm-hmm. um, with a rock influence, I guess, if I, <laughs> yeah. had, if I um, had to put a name hey, on it. Hey, we're going to but... put a... We're... Uh, we're going to put a GoFundMe in the description. Uh, you know, people are affected by genreless every day. <laughs> and uh, honestly, like we need to help people find, like we need to help people that are affected by genreless and only your money can do so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Help, help me find a genre. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. but that, that's kind of what I'm doing right now is um, granted. I'm sure, you know, talk to me in a year or two and I might have been like, nope, I did narrow it down and this is my genre. But right now, you know, as you listen to this whole album, you'll be like, oh, wait, so her next single is completely pop. But the single after that's kind of country. But the single after that's like completely rock. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's it's literally all over the place. But that's like, awesome. Yeah. All right. You heard it here first. Aspen's going to be back in a year to tell us how her genre has changed. Right. Put in the calendar. Do it. Yes, That's put awesome. it in the calendar. A year from today, I'll be back on the pod. Um. So next question. Um. I've. I'm. You don't have to do the accent, Alex. Good. Gonna, I was I'm, over I'm it. I was like, wait, that. what's the accent? I almost went Australian there for a second. Um, <laughs> you did, you did. <laughs> I'm like, wait, wait a second. Um. How does it? What's it like finding friends in a place when you don't know anybody? Did you lean more towards other musicians? Notes. Oh, good to know, Greg. Um. Oh, did you lean more towards other musicians? Is it kind of just people who know nothing about you? What was that like? Yeah, so um, it it was, and I will not lie, is um, very difficult, especially amidst a pandemic. Um, it's <laughs> close to, I mean, okay, so you can meet a lot of people, right? Like y'all know me, I'm an extroverted extrovert. Like I'm going to meet somebody everywhere that I go. Whether but like it or not. <laughs> right, what, it, sometimes it's questionable, but um. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to meet somebody everywhere I go. But that said, it doesn't necessarily mean that that becomes your group of people. Um, and, and I can say I still haven't found my people here. I still don't have a straight up group that I'm like, hey, let's watch Bachelor Monday or like, let's do all these things. Like, I don't have those type of people here. Um, but I do definitely have best friends. I've got people that I'm super, super close to um, for sure. Um, and I, w- I would say when I first moved here, um, my producer was the only person that I knew. Um, and I had only known him for a week. Um, cause we had my best friend and I from Houston, we drove down here to, um, basically work with him. And I was not planning on moving here. Um, I was going to do one song that I had written. Um, we we're going to, you know, produce it so I could release something, kind of start to dabble in my music career again and kind of mm-hmm. see what happened. And I literally just never left. I went back home to Houston and came back two weeks later and I'm still here. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah. so, so really I only had, well, November, December, January, February, I had five months before we went on lockdown that I basically lived my life and did all that. And back then I did have a friend group. I had a crew. Mm -hmm. It was great. I mean, we're still, we're still a friend group. It's just, it's kind of hard to label it a friend group when nobody really hangs out as much. Right, right, right. But um, no, good, good. No, I was, I was just going to ask like, how has the pandemic and lockdown and whatnot affected your creation, like the production process? Um, I can, well, I finished my album, um, mm-hmm. which is something that I don't know that how fast that would have happened. Um, well, it was pretty fast tracked, but it 
Well, at first it was kind of hard because nobody could meet up. Like we just yeah, we couldn't. Right. So for the first, for the especially first especially like months, the first six months, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So for the first six months, it was nothing. It was just nothing, and mm. that was a very hard time for me. I mean, it wasn't necessarily hard, hard for me um, mentally. It just was trying in the sense that um, I had to really be okay with like how to be by myself, um, right. and that was kind of difficult for me because I've never lived by myself before. Um, and so from going from, you know, that to most people, when they first move out by themselves, by themselves, they're like, Oh, I'm going to go out with my friends still. And I'm going to do all these things. That I'm not actually right. going to be very alone. And to go from that to being like isolation, like you've got to figure out how to be okay on your own. And that was kind of hard for me. Um, but production wise, after that six months, we got back at it in the studio and we were able to, you know, keep everything super COVID safe and we would take tests and stuff and be really careful. and. Um, so after that, it was okay. Um, How many Q-tips to- did you get shoved up your nose? Jeez, <laughs> COVID testing. Honestly, I've gotten tested like five or six times. Mm. Um, well, Does maybe, it get easier? <laughs> it was never bad for me, to be honest with you. Um, the first time I ever had it done, it made my eyes water. But after mm-hmm. that, I have. I was never really afraid that you were. Ge- I was really afraid you were going to say the first time I did it, it made my eyes bleed, and I'm like, Aspen, are you okay? <laughs> No, um, it wasn't bad getting tested. It really wasn't. But also I've had a lot of scopes up my nose by my ENTs. Uh, okay. Um, and I get my throat checked a lot for nodes and things like that. Right. So, um, it used to be a yearly thing for me. I'd go and they'd stick the scope down my throat and in my nose. So I think my body is just pretty used to that sort of emotion. Um, but as long as you have a really nice nurse, it's not bad. So as long as they don't just like really no. shove it up in there. Right. And they're like, <laughs> but like, yeah, no, I was lucky to have really super gentle nurses. So it wasn't bad. All right. Craig, got a closing question? I mean, yeah. Um, I, I had one. It's super cheesy. It's what you everyone asks everyone. Um, but I can send it if you don't have one. Yeah, do that. All right, Aspen. Ask I've heard me this what a million times. Everyone. E- what does everyone the future everyone. hold for you? Right. Where do you see yourself in five years? How, how does your, where does your, what does your life look like? What does your career look like? What is, what is your goal? It's a great question. Um, <clears throat> honestly, well, it's hard for me to answer that because I remember being asked that five years ago and at the end of high school, and this is just absolutely beyond what I thought I was going to be doing. Yeah, no one answers that question. Yeah, it's never yeah. right. But, no, uh, it's never yeah. right. Um, I would say five years from now, hmm. Five years from now, I'll be what, 27? Old. Um, yeah, I'll be old. So I, five years from now, well, 27, that's the, the last age I can be before I hate everything. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so I'll be living it up. No, um, <laughs> right, right, right. Hopefully, you know, I'd like to have more roots here. Um, I would really like to have. a a group like a base of people that I want to call over and we're just hanging out all the time we're on the phone all day every day we're like can you believe what Jessica said like I really want that cheesy Uh, best friend always at it Jessica's (laughs) always been a bitch okay no no, I just want I want that cheesy friend group that like everybody sees like friends like that I just want that you know and like door like open door policy with like four or five people yes I I just miss I had that in Michigan you know and Mm so and even in Texas and it's just it's hard establishing that so um I'd like to say I'd like to have that um 
I just want to keep being happy. This year has, you know, been really, really hard, but I truly have, you know, found happiness in it. Um, so I want to keep doing that. I want my music to be just rocking. I don't want to say, speci- well, you know what? I will manifest some specific goals. Yeah, yeah <laughs> do it. Dang, I want freaking, I want some music to hit number one. I want to write some cuts for some people that get picked up. I want to, yeah, you know, freaking win a Grammy. Like mm-hmm. I want all the cliche little goals, but I also yeah, we just, need to get we need to get Aspen viral ASAP. Hey, let's do that. Let's yeah, do just, TikTok. Just don't but, forget about us because we're gonna be like, hey, you want to do our podcast? Be like, sorry, I have oh, one with Billy Eilish and I are hanging out tonight. Yeah, yeah. Hey, maybe when I'm done being with celebrities um, i'll find time hey when, when i'm done power washing done, my grammys yeah yeah when me and avril are done making our tiktoks i'll call you um <laughs> but no <laughs> i i uh no i just i see myself hopefully it's like i always say i see myself hopefully being better than i was today so as long as i'm better five years from now and further along than i am right now then i'm happy That's so super healthy yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. They've reached that yeah. headspace. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's you. If you would have asked me this a year ago, I would have been like, winning everything, taking no <laughs> prisoners. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I'm like wild. But no, I'm. I've just kind of been on like an eat, pray, love sort of thing mm-hmm. um, this whole year, minus you know the cool traveling and meeting elephants and stuff. Um, but <laughs> I've just been on this whole journey of okay, what's going to truly make me happy? And mm-hmm. for that, or for me, I guess it's, you know, living every single day and hoping that my music actually helps people. I don't care about, you know, the numbers or the money or fame or anything. Actually, if I could be anonymous in this whole thing and pull a Hannah Montana, I 100% yeah. would. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I just, I really want to help people in one That's way, awesome. shape or form. And I want to use my platform for people that don't have a voice. Oh, well, this is embarrassing because my five-year goal was to be on Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> Dang. You can do That's it, awesome. Craig, and you will be. <laughs> All right. Well, that concludes our middle segment. We're going to hop into our one-hit wonder, the, the one hit that never comes back. And this one is called Casting Industry Dirt. We want to know, what about the music industry? Can you just not absolutely stand For legal at reasons. All? Again, yeah. for legal reasons. Right. This is a joke. Hey. Completely a these joke. Next 10 minutes. Hey. Hey, Joe. It's a joke. Yeah. She might talk about something that may or may not be real. She's just letting everyone who's not in the music industry let us know some stuff they can expect if they were to pursue it, some things they don't know about. And in exchange, <laughs> it's completely real. I'm being real. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and in exchange, send help. I'm not okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll do stuff about the military, some stuff people don't normally think about um before they join and craig will throw something in the ring as well craig will talk about <laughs> his manhattan apartment yeah craig will talk about what it's like to be rich and have a manhattan and apartment in manhattan. <laughs> yeah. okay so aspen what is some stuff we just no one knows about the music industry or stuff you didn't really anticipate when you got started um fairness yeah um <laughs> fairness and just, i mean it's, it's like anything in life but it's dang it's hard um and I think you come here and you you think one thing and you're like, man, I'm just, I'm going to work really, really hard and I'm going to play these shows and it's going to be great. And like, it is great. And it's, it's everything that you want, but this career is something that it's like, I, I like need it to breathe at this point. Like, it's Mm -hmm. like, I, I can't do anything else. There's nothing else out there that would fulfill me 
let me let me just lay this out. There's sure. nothing that would fulfill me as much as this career, but there's nothing that kills me as much as this career also. <laughs> so this is a Jackal and Hyde complex. And right. um, I think it's just so hard because once you're in it, you're in it. Um, mm. And it's it's like Molly's game kind of. You're, you're in it and you just don't know. It's not as high stakes because obviously like I can get out of it at any time if I yeah, want to. A- yeah, Aspen, if it ever reaches that high stakes, let us know. Yeah. We'll call someone. <laughs> yeah, I'll be like, Hey, uh, there's a guy like outside my apartment. I think he's got a gun. (laughs) No, but it's it's high stakes in the sense that you just want to get to the next level and you want more and you want more and you want more and you, it's, it's very saturated also. So everybody Mm -hmm. else here, the question that we ask is what else do you do? That's, you don't ask like, Hey, what do you do for for a career? Like that's that you don't ask that when you meet people here, you just say, Hey, what else do you do? Like, you know what I mean? You're like, Mm -hmm. do we have anything else in common? That's not music. And, um, (laughs) no, it's, it's great. And I, I rat on it like that, but no, I, I love it. I really, really do. I think that my biggest thing is, um, women in music is, um, a very, bad topic right now but mm-hmm. <laughs> um because it's it's becoming you know like a oh women in music and we need to support women in music but um fun fact about country radio on a lot of stations you can't play two women back to back um because oh. they think it's bad for ratings that's so, awful wow yeah. that's... so there's a lot of things that are not equal and are not fair in this industry and i i really hate seeing you know lineups in shows and, and it's it's a bit better here when you're in town but Mm-hmm. it's it's um it's also hard because you see you know not as many women doing it and you well, know alex i guess I we know. gotta scrap the jokes we were about to make yeah no that's not good bro um <laughs> i'm trying to think industry stuff about the military i mean i was in quick disclaimer for everybody who doesn't know i was in the marine corps for five years i joined straight out of high school at 18 got out this past november um I joined the hardest branch because I thought it was going to make me better than everybody else. But the truth is, is most people who join the Marine Corps feel like they had something to prove. Those are the people who are just like, no one ever took me seriously. Well, I'm going to do something to make them take it seriously. So really, the whole service um, is, is really normal people. Like, I don't think there's a lot of people that make us special. We're not a lot of like G.I. Joe straight from the movies. We're not all like built and jacked. There's definitely a place for that especially when you get to special forces. But a lot of these people are normal guys. They talk like they're straight out of high school. They act like they're straight out of high school. A lot of our leadership is in their 20s, early 30s, and all they know is the military. So a lot of that real-life advice is um, from a person who's only done one thing. And it is, and this because you kind of live, eat, sleep, and breathe the military, a lot of that stuff becomes very normal. So it is very normal to meet someone who's like 18 or 19 and they're married or meet someone who's 26 and has had like two or three divorces because everything just moves quick. Um, I mean, I'm turning 24 this month. I've been married for three years and I'm having a kid. Like, that's crazy. You know, that's um, really wild to think about, actually. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. Will have I, had a kid by the time this comes out. Yeah, probably. I hopefully. At that point. Yeah. <laughs> um, Better but, be a kid by the time right. this comes out. Yikes. Um, but yeah, I I think, I think that's why a lot of people get uncomfortable being called heroes and thank you for your service and stuff like that. Cause we are normal people. Um, we just went a different route than everybody else. There's definitely people who had the opportunity to do something special. Um, and they did. And that's when you get like people with special awards. But I think most of us are just normal people, you know, normal men and women. Um, and I don't think it's, 
for me, it doesn't feel anything other than normal. It feels like yeah, uh, just another job, you know? All right, Craig, what's your industry dirt? Okay. Tell us about Manhattan. Yeah. So <laughs> what they don't tell you about Manhattan is uh, everybody, there's only three hats that you are legally allowed to wear. It, mm-hmm. It's a baseball cap, um, a bucket hat, and a top hat. If you were wearing- okay. If you were wearing Fucking any other, if you were wearing <laughs> any other hat than that, like uh, citizen police will like tackle you to the ground, rip right. your hat off, and put an appropriate mm-hmm. hat on. Um, Does so it that have was, to be an NYC hat. Um, no, it can be any. It could be from any state as long okay. as it's not Connecticut. I don't okay. know why. No one has Interesting. ever seen it, but like I if they see. Yeah, if they see CT on like on the base of your hat, like it's mm-hmm. out of there, bud. <laughs> dang, dang. Yeah. I never would have oh. thought. Yeah. Industry and, like, dirt about New York. It's actually really cheap to live here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Industry, right. dirt, industry dirt about New York is that uh, we lie to everyone about rent prices so people don't <laughs> come here. You know. Okay. You know, okay. Uh, Skyline View is actually like three, four hundred dollars a month. Wow. Um, yeah. But, but we. But we tell people it's thirty six hundred, so that way they think mm-hmm. they can't afford it. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, it makes so, sense. Yeah, honestly, like, but like, don't come here. Like, don't move here. Obviously, <laughs> right. uh, protect your city, man. Yeah, and like people, like, you know, one of the most famous parts about New York is uh, the subway. You know, mm-hmm. just like being able to take it. It runs all the time. Uh, it's actually not a train. It's just a bunch of people on bicycles pedaling really fast. Wow. The more you know. I Why have no idea. Vibes? Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's actually common courtesy for if you exit a train, you uh, throw a granola bar on the ground so the bicyclists can like uh, have a little bit of a snack before their next uh Oh, so they're their, their pulling next the train. You have yeah. Keep that in mind. Pulling the train like reindeer. <laughs> yeah. That's throw a awesome. granola bar down there. <laughs> so, so like in House of Cards, when mm-hmm. uh, Kevin Spacey pushes Kate Mara in front of the right. subway, it was actually she got trampled like Lion King style. Oh, dude, Spoilers a... for season one of House of Cards, by the yeah. way. <laughs> what a reference. <laughs> Damn. Oh, man. Well, that's one hit wonder. Casting industry dirt. You learned a little bit. Only truths about life and things you didn't know before. So, Craig, this concludes the podcast, man. Yeah, Aspen, do you have any official plugs that you would like to give as we close out our episode? Oh, like plugs for me? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh. Actually, no, if you just want to plug our stuff. And yeah, like, like, yeah, I heard they're doing really well, you guys. <laughs> Everyone that's already listening to the podcast, keep listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you can check my stuff out. Um, Aspen underscore Taylor. Aspen's with a Y because I'm unique. Um, but... <laughs> The way she whispered <laughs> unique, though, dude. Welcome to my ASMR podcast. <laughs> nice. Uh, something for everyone here. Um, go ahead and, yeah, find me on everything. I'm on all the socials. I use Facebook the least. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Is, is, is there a song that you want to, like, recommend? Like, like, go check out this specific song. Yeah. I mean, my... I just released Blackbird. It's a cover. Obviously, it's a Beatles, mm-hmm. Beatles song. Um, it's funny because people say frequently that it's that's the, their least favorite Beatles song. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny because I've been obsessed with that song forever. Like I'm obsessed <laughs> right. with that song. 
Okay, I actually have a genuine question about this. So when you released the song, you posted a picture of you on Instagram with like a fence that says Blackbird on it. Um, first, is that fence real? <laughs> um, the fence is real. The word Blackbird on it is some crazy good Photoshop. Okay, because I'm like, there's no, because I'm like, there's no way there's a coincidence. That's a coincidence that like she, that she managed to find this fence that says Blackbird on it. Oh, I'm just dear. like. It really caught me for a loop. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, no, no. It's completely... The fence was real. The Blackbird... Can you, imagine just, if, I, can you imagine if the fence wasn't real, but the Blackbird part was? Like <laughs> That part? <laughs> that would get some people. Right. I cannot. Yeah, that's, that part's real. But yeah, Blackbird, I'd recommend going to listen to that. Um, but I've got new songs coming out literally in like two months. So, And then they'll be out frequently after that so if you like what you hear stick around and there, like i said earlier in the podcast there will be like every single genre so there's definitely something for everyone in the album yeah yeah follow her on your favorite music platform you know yeah. just, just, just do it you know and we'll put we all of our information commands. yeah we don't we'll give all... you commands very often but i'm commanding you don't nice. be a weenie <laughs> 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 you're gonna go to weenie hut jr if you don't next week I wrote it down and I already forgot. We're watching Coming to America with right. Eddie Murphy. So if you are interested in that, I guess you could watch that for next week's movie club. Sure. But yeah, absolutely. We'll put all of her information in the description. So if you didn't catch it, it's going to be down there. And she's got plenty of music coming out this year. So check it out. Um, Aspen, thank you so much for coming. Yes. Thanks really for having me, guys. This is so fun. All right. Uh, you can follow us uh, at Permanent Good if you want. I post movie schedule theirs and let you know when the podcast is up. Uh, do what you want to do, man. Is, my name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. I'm Aspen Taylor, a.k.a. Aspen Taylor. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. And you know what? Tell your mom I said hi. See you oh. next week. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>